pot of gold. I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the match cause they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. I'm still fly. I'm still fly. Let's go. It could all be worse. I could be a hater like you. It could all be make the man, but that poison's gonna kill you. Chest now, say it with your chest I'm now. Young, I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to run it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to run. It's putting up something. Say something into your mic. It's raining pretty hard outside right now. Colton says, it's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining men. That's a song. Is it really? Yeah. I sh- I'll, we'll go to a clip. A we'll go to a clip. It's a gay song. Yeah. That's how you know that it is gay. Hallelujah, it's raining men. Everything. I mean, it's probably gay. Man, society has turned me into such a terrible person. Why? I don't know. Why did they do that? Because I just called a song gay. That it's a gay it's song. It's a song. It's a song about sucking dick. It's it? a gay song, Is it? Colton. <laughs> Is it a gay? I think we need to deconstruct. What are you a homophobe? This. You afraid of a little gay music, Colton? Because the gays make the best music. And I actually stand by that. Some of my favorite artists are homosexuals. Frank Ocean. I didn't realize that. Frank Ocean's my boy. I don't like him now. He's my number one. (laughs) And he's gay. Um, I'm just kidding, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who else? Uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's gay? I like Stephen Fry. He's one of my favorite people. What a good dude. Writing books about how good he has it. Yeah, not going well, not gonna to get involved with the victimhood Olympics of being a gay man in a persecuted world. Yeah. Right? That's the guy who wrote about Better Angels of Our Nature. Is that the same dude? No. Oh, Stephen Fry, the, was, the British guy? Yeah, Stephen the Fry's narrator? the British guy. He's a narrator. He, He's he gay? He's the actor in uh, V for Vendetta, the big fucking dude. I yeah. did not realize he was gay. Um, yeah. he's the he's a voiceover on this show that I like called Pocoyo. It's a British uh, show for infants. Like an anime show? Animated. Animated. Yeah. It's just like, you know that part of the Matrix where they're in that like white realm where they can bring in the guns and stuff? Yeah. It's like a show that takes place there. Um, so there's not a whole lot of scenery. It's really basic for for little kids. Like, right. Developmentally learning how to conceptualize things. It's fucking dope, though. I love it. You got some friends. 
One of them's like a big bird. I don't know. It's all right. The you like it. The big bird is Stephen Fry, isn't it? Yeah, check it out. I don't know. You have to see. You have to watch the show. <laughs> is that Jeff? I think so. I hear some thunderous steps coming up. I mean, footsteps coming up the <laughs> stairs. Yeah, well, they're continued. Did you listen night. to the podcast, by the way? <laughs> Have you checked out any of the episodes? I was listening to it, actually. I was really enjoying it, but I only got, like, 15 minutes into it. The Jeff one? Yeah. Oh, that's the best part. You don't really need to finish it. <laughs> I, I was laughing. It, Good. Here. It's probably you. Probably is. You caught a little whiff of yourself, did you? Maybe. Um, I know what Jeff's doing. He knows that the second he leaves, we're just going to start talking about him on this super popular podcast. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's going to be famous. He'll pop in 20 minutes later and be like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I made it. Yeah. But I hope, I hope that he comes back. Eventually. Yeah. Because um, I have more um, from the first interview, but it was not very good. It was like, Quality was poor, and the content was depressing. Yeah. Which conversations with Jeff often are. Um, I think that's okay. Not always. I have good conversations with him. I enjoy hanging out with Jeffrey. I do, too. That's the thing that is what actually made him a really good podcast listen was the fact that he's... Uh, I was telling you this the other day. His demeanor and his energy doesn't match his words. The things that he says about just how cynical he is about life, um, it doesn't jive with the way he, that he is around you. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, a lot of time he's like, he seems fun and like he's very interesting, he's charismatic, um, but then he's just got these philosophies about what it means to be him that are just horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely understand. I see that. I see the same thing. Yeah. Um. But, on the bright side, you don't have to share a mic. No. So you can I get can that wear, thing adjusted. Can I wear the headset? You can wear it up real close. Yep, you can wear a headset. Oh. Uh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see. Test, test. Yeah, that's it's looking good. That's good. You're good too. All right. So no. and we are live. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeffrey Nesbitt the third. With me today is a good buddy of mine, Colton Chalker. Colton is a local electrician extraordinaire. He's a twin. He's a man, a brother, a lover, a son, a thinker, a doer, and so many other things. Colton, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, glad to be here, Jeffrey. <clears throat> I'm just going to get right to it. The people want to know, which twin is evil? Are you the evil one? Or uh, is yeah. Cody? No, I'm the evil one. What makes you say that? Uh. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, now. I'm going to bring my brother into this. <laughs> I actually um, wanted to do that. It, I want to get Cody to call in. Would you text him? On a live live feed? Yeah. You know, on your TV? Um, we could. <laughs> but we could do it through FaceTime or Facebook Messenger and have him call in. Oh, um, he's up snowboarding. Oh, okay. Another time then. I have an idea though. Called me last night. I want to do a twin test where I uh, make you think of a number and then make Cody guess what number it is <laughs> or uh, an object or whatever. It's going to be cool. And I bet you I can make it work. You think so? Yeah. Um, you got to first get you guys in line energy wise. So you got to, you know, have you recite some mantras together just to sync you up because you know you've been apart for a while your twin your twin beam is probably not as strong as it once was and then uh you know once you get in line um i start throwing some some tricky riddles at you see if you can solve them together then as you're in a problem solving mode your brains are aligned then i start hitting you with the all right what color is colton thinking of i'm not so sure that having to be around him is that uh important i mean i talk i talk to him every day and oh you uh, do still talk every day yeah i talk to my brother well there's days i don't but mostly every day i talk to him and uh that's awesome man i wish i talked to my brother every day i bet the conversations are are very mundane huh yeah like they can be but it's okay because Uh, fuck it yeah doesn't matter um but sometimes like when i talk to him i'll notice that he's listened to the same like podcast that day that i listened to so yeah. like i get that feeling sometimes that do you think the algorithm is throwing the same stuff at, at you guys at the same time Fuck, probably i never thought about it like that i i think it does um i always wonder about that with people who like do you have people who are on your instagram or your facebook who um maybe you know them you may have gone to school with them or something but you don't actually ever talk but for some reason, they come up in your feed a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. I, I get, think if you look at somebody, like comment or anything, they're I do they're not measuring. comment on these people. Um, it's like the people who I actually talk to on Facebook, it, it's a very short list, um, or Instagram or whatever. But what about the comments you look at? Oh, I do. Like when someone comments on, I'll oh, say, uh, some cnn news article uh-huh do you read their comments yeah i do and so you end up getting that person more frequently yeah uh you, you pick up their comments more frequently and then if you start replying to those people then they think you're stalking them but you uh-huh. have no choice but to look at their because that's comments what's coming up because that's what you're looking at yeah and so what if they got a fat ass that's a yeah. coincidence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what? It's just uh, it's the world we're living in now. What's wrong with fat asses though? Not a damn Not thing. Not a damn thing. Not one goddamn thing. <laughs> uh thank God for the way uh society has kind of caught up with biology in that regard. Remember when asses were not acceptable? When telling a girl she had a fat ass was a was a put down? I don't. 
This is I'm talking the '90s. I picture like uh, Budweiser models, like the girls who were in Budweiser advertisements. Big tits, long legs, no hips, no ass. That was like the hot look um, for a long time. Uh, I don't it was, remember that. It was very popular. Kate Moss. You know who Kate Moss is? No. Wow. All right. Well, then maybe you were not paying attention to the same things as me. <laughs> you did like you did like hip hop before I did. I'm so. sure. I'm sure maybe you also like. I'm sure a lot of the influence asses. came from your old man. I don't know if he's an ass guy or not. Well, actually. probably did he not. point that kind of stuff out when you were younger. Yeah, like all the time. A lot. Yeah. In a weird uh, way that used to make me real uncomfortable. A little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, oh, look at her fat ass. Little, <laughs> little boys do not want to discuss sexual matters with grown men. No, I can't. I don't. At all. At, under any circumstances. <laughs> Even when they are, like, younger in the teen years, when they start having those thoughts and feelings, it still is not uh, remotely comfortable <laughs> To have a conversation like that, that with a grown-up who's actually fucking. It, uh, it's just not... Uh, that kind of shit will get you thrown in jail nowadays. I remember when my uncle was uh, handing me and my brother VHS porn tapes uh-huh. in a, through, through our bedroom window. <laughs> Thinking he's being the coolest uncle the, ever. He's being the coolest uncle ever. You're like, I look back on Bitch, it now, I got like, pay-per-view. Kind of creepy, I mean... <laughs> Your house did have some of the best uh, access to pornography that I can recall as a child. Uh, well, that's because I discovered that <laughs> <laughs> that for some reason, DirecTV had titties. Titties, man. Yeah. Just... God damn, they did. HBO. Playboy. Yeah. Scandalous. Yeah. Um, so did you know, even back then, did you know that you'd be going to hell for it? No, I had no idea. You didn't kind of feel the singe of the hellfire? No, I wasn't Mm. indoctrinated enough, I guess. Nobody told you? Uh, well, no. Well, it's, yeah, it's better late than never. Better late than never. Yeah, yeah. I see, it never really helped me all that much to know that I was going to be burning forever. Um, like, because it doesn't really affect you while you're actually enjoying being alive. The sexual part of it, it hits you. The shame, the that religious shame, hits you right after you come. It's like, ugh, oh, <laughs> like, oh, dang oh, it, man, I forgot you were crazy. watching Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh fuck, uh. but. Who knows? Who knows how it's all gonna go? Sin, sin is everywhere, man. You can't escape it. Yeah. You might as well just do your best. It is. Um, all jokes aside, though, I really did uh, have that upbringing where I was taught like avoid those things because they're not good for your brain. Uh, I, I actually totally believe that now. I buy in completely. Like I don't want my twelve-year-old looking at pornography. No. It's gonna fuck with his brain. It's gonna make him worse at sex later as an adult like I really think that a lot of guys probably are not that good in bed because they watch too much porn probably um, if you just figure it out on your own you're probably going to be much better at it than if you try to do it what 
these people in that industry are doing because it's it's like a it's a show they're doing a show right yeah people having sex in porn is like people having a regular conversation on a podcast it's it's still the same thing it's still sex but it's it's for the viewers it's not always just for the people in it i don't know that's true that's true it seems weird to me that people don't really talk about that and it's like 60% of the internet is pornography it's it's nuts 60% i don't know what the actual number is it's a lot large number um I don't pay attention. Should we let Marley in here? I hear Marley out at the door just crying. Yeah. You want to let her yeah. in? You go ahead. It's no, no She's worries. She's talking, not crying. She's talking in a very sad tone. Marley. That's actually okay. I realize it's not that big a deal. People don't care. People don't want to hear, like, a constant this shit. She's just not happy that it's raining. I'm not either. I was really really disappointed about that. So you're thinking about moving back to Utah, huh? Yeah. Is that something you're talking about, or or should we cut this out? Uh, no, I don't mind. Your employers? Huh? Your employers don't don't catch the podcast? Uh, Not that I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why is that funny? I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm sure there's a potential that some of my coworkers could. I mean, we have almost 100 downloads, Colton. Nearly 100. That's. <laughs> I mean, we're almost in triple digits. That's uh... a. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that might include some of my employer or some of my uh, employees. I think at least half of those are uh, coworkers. Are me. I should say, huh? I think at least half of those are me. Oh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny to think about that kind of thing, though. Like I'm out. I've, I really Melissa makes fun of me for it a lot, but it's I'm out here playing in my fort. I made like a blanket fort. Yeah. And now I'm recording myself talking in it. I feel like a little kid in here. Yeah, it's cool though. I mean, I painted the walls and everything. I'm still trying to get used to the fact that I'm talking in a microphone that is being recorded. It's weird. I know. You keep yeah. on like trying to talk away from the microphone like yeah. doing I'm one like, of these. Don't, don't listen like doing to me. little side mouth uh, talking. <laughs> like, oh, this is just well, between you and me, but you know me pretty well. I, I say do. a lot of dumb shit and uh sometimes I say things that I don't mean in a different way that mm-hmm. is not how I intended to say it, but Yeah. Oh, like the time. Uh <laughs> No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are some things. So I was going through my phone <laughs> in preparation for this interview. Um, and I used to keep a list called Hilarious Things Colton Says. And <clears throat> I still had the list. And it only had a couple things on it. But the main one that I, that I had was about um, it was about some a business venture, I think, that you were interested in starting. And uh, you had recently realized that you had a skill – of some kind and you wanted to you know capitalize on that we were i should say we were teenagers at this time so this is oh okay yeah you remember okay. uh i believe it would have been 2008 yeah 2008 boy that was a good year that was a good year um that was a great year yeah but i i don't know the we were living across the street from Seaholm high school and uh you, <laughs> 
<laughs> you had decided that you were going to charge the 15-year-olds $50 for blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were at work when you said it, and, I, and, I, and I'm pretty sure you meant that you would uh, – and actually, you did go on to explain yourself to me that you would uh, – it wasn't that you would perform the fellatio on the 15-year-old because obviously you're straight. It was that – and you had just recently hooked up with a gorgeous blonde, if I recall. So you were feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, ego was at an all-time high. You might have even been brimming with testosterone. I don't remember. <laughs> but I remember you talking about that for a while too <laughs> um, when we had you in the weight room. Anyway um, – but yeah, yeah, that was that was funny. The um, I don't hear you making those kind of mistakes, like like you used to. That are just slip of the tongue, hilarious. Like <laughs> we were talking about just how getting head is is like better than regular sex, coitus, if you will. And uh, you said, you know, personally. I love sucking dick way more <laughs> than having sex. <laughs> and we all knew what you meant. We knew exactly what you meant because <laughs> I'll cut it. I could cut any of this out. <laughs> Although I know that I won't because the laughter is is fun. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I'd never said such a thing. That's fucked up. Uh, we've all said some funny things. Um, I think back in the day, we used to smoke, uh, what do they call that stuff? Grass. Uh, yeah, you know. Marijuana. Marijuana. Hey, that is actually an improper term now. Oh, I'm sorry. Marijuana. Cannabis. Cannabis. Marijuana is just, you know, it's discriminatory. Against Mexicans? I'm not or black sure. People? It's, uh... I think it is, actually, both Washington of those. State was trying to draft a, uh... Like a proposal, um, I don't know how. Oh, for fuck's legal, sake! I don't know how legal politics work. Can but. we just talk? Martin, can we just go. talk? I just, I just want to say words. I want to push noise out of my face and then try to make it mean something. I'm so tired of being told what I can and can't say. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have any ill ill intentions, or I'm not. There's no meanness to anything that I say. No, nah, that's definitely not well, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure not true. But the. Not when I say the word marijuana. Well, you know. Yeah. Power is maintained by the way we talk about things in society, so... Come on, Marley, what you doing? We bro? have to try to... I agree. It does matter. How you talk about things does matter. But it could be very easily used as a straw man, or is it a red herring? When somebody makes a fake argument to distract from the real issue, like... Do we really have any problem with people using the term marijuana? No. Is it leading to discrimination? No. Um, does it distract people who are easily fooled from other problems like compelled speech and censorship? Yes. Yes, it does. People want to be on the team. They want to be on the right side of history. So they'll agree to things that are actually very wrong because they sound right because of the current cultural and historical context. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. But it like you you think of those people in the civil rights movement who uh were marching with the black leaders and I don't know, in high school when you're learning about those people, it feels really easy to be like, Yeah, that would have been me. 
I would have been out there with Martin Luther King marching. Uh, what you don't take into consideration is that your parents and your boss and all the people you respect thought those people were assholes. So they thought they were trying to shake up the way we do things. They, they were trying to make changes that were uncomfortable. Right. A lot of people did not, did not like those dissenting voices. So it wouldn't have felt as glamorous and wonderful as you, we picture it. And that's why you look at the protests going on in 2020 and, and just recently with the storming of the White House. People are so quick to separate those kind of things politically by like, this is okay and this is not okay because of what they believe. It's the same shit. It's the same thing. Right. Like, it's civil disobedience. Same thing's happening. Or and sometimes it's uncivil disobedience. But it's people expressing their views and in a way that is forceful because they feel like they're not being heard. And it's a Black Lives Matter protests went that direction. Um, all the Antifa stuff and the Proud Boys that led up to the Black Lives Matter protests that were smaller but still significant. Those are like the, you know, the party of segregation back. Yeah. You know, that's... Yeah. It's, it's just people wanting to group up and have shared ideals and then enforce them on others, which is dangerous. It's always dangerous, even if the ideals are benevolent and, and right, like if they're right. meant to help people. Right. Just there are certain principles that we need to protect, and freedom of speech is one of them. People need to have the right to say fucked up things. They need to have the right to say the wrong thing. If they don't, no one will ever engage in discourse. People are too afraid to be wrong. Like, right. You need to be able to be wrong and, and still be able to learn and, and be forgiven and have a path back to the good graces of society. You can't be a social pariah because you made a mistake once. Uh, especially if you're, not, if you're a person who's willing to change and learn and grow, which a lot of people are. It's just like there's this weird culture of gotcha, motherfucker. Like you said the wrong thing. Yeah. And now you're fucking done. I, I that can't do exactly that. That is exactly the way our culture is now. Couldn't have said it better. Where does that come from? Uh, it, I think it comes from... Or has it always been there and we just weren't paying attention? I think it comes from our, uh, the way that we've, I think it comes from like scholarship. More people being able to have access to information. I would, uh, yeah. I mean, that's probably a good, good and this rain is loud. Um, postmodern theory, probably. What is that exactly? Postmodern thought, I should say. I don't exactly know what you mean by that. The, so, like, Foucault thought that uh, uh, power uh, or language was, like, used to uh, maintain power in society. It was, they called it, what, did, what do you call it? Um, um, power knowledge or something so like, like that. So, like, the way, oh, the knowledge of power or Just, power of knowledge? I, I heard uh, like he the way we talk about things of, of that memory, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, no, but, like, I agree. Yeah, the way you talk about stuff shapes the way it's framed in social consciousness. Right, it, but it's like a like I so like Marxism was more like power felt like a weight pushing down on society, you know. Uh, from the people up above pushing down the bourgeoisie yeah you know but 
uh, which is a real fun word to in say. In postmodern theory, it's more of the thought that power works through everybody. So like every everyone, and it works through discourse, the way we talk about things, right? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of like the whole. Do you buy into that? Different. No. Not at all? Well, no, I do, but I don't think it's useful in uh, um, structuring a society because I think it's a useful tool to, to uh, you know, question things and uh-huh. to, you know, to, but I, I don't think it's, I, I don't, I don't really buy into it. Yeah. yeah no, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I do love it here though. I should say that it's, there's some really great things about living. I like the clean air. Oh, it's I the best. I fucking love the clean air. And I love the beach. Beach is cool. During the summertime, those hot days that we had, which were pretty rare, uh, it was kind of felt good to go out to the beach. There are some things about living in a rural area that I never really thought about until I lived in a non-rural area. Like, where do you burn a couch if you live in an apartment in Seattle? Like, yeah, you what know? the fuck? How yeah. do you burn a mattress? You know, where do you burn all your old bodies? I think that's most, the homeless people. You know, they do now that. that I'm thinking about it, most of it is fire related. Um, I love a good fire. Yeah. When I lived in the city, I couldn't just light fires whenever I felt like it. I need that in my life. Sometimes you gotta let it burn. You gotta let it burn. So, do you think you'll actually make the move back to Utah? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Because your family's not really here anymore. Your grandparents have passed. Your dad now lives most of the year in California, right? Yeah, and my mom is retiring, and she's going to be spending most of the year in California. Mm -hmm. Which is closer to Utah, which is where a lot of the rest of your family lives. Yeah. Your twin brother, Cody, and your other sibling, Danielle. Yeah, my sister. Is uh, She's a she-her? No, she yeah. Yeah, I had to think I about used, that for a second, but... <laughs> you, you didn't give me her pronouns, so I was, Oh, yeah. She, her. Okay. Yeah. I don't know she, her sounds great. That in this podcast. Oh, um, yeah, man. We're pronoun heavy here. If, oh. you, if you use your wrong, the wrong... If you mispronounce somebody, first time's a warning. Second time, $5 fine. $5 fine? If you got it, man. If not, I'll spot you. <laughs> And third time, you're barred for life. Oh. So, better not call me she. (laughs) What do you prefer? Oh, I'm a he, them. He, them? Yeah. It's new. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know what that means. This is tricky territory. Let's get out of here. (laughs) Uh, Let's back to to your life. Um, So, what do you do for a living, Colton? Uh, I wire shit. Mm, like uh, you're a banker, wiring money. <laughs> no. Bomb squad. You cut the green wire or the red wire. The you probably could wire. do that, huh? I cut the red wire. See, guys, he knows. Yeah. Um. So, what do you do exactly? What's your day to day? You're an electrician. You're a journeyman, right? Yeah. So, what are the different levels? Um. I make it quick because you... this is boring. <laughs> you become <laughs> you, you become an apprentice, then you become a journeyman, and then you can become a master. Mm. That make you feel a little bit full of yourself if you're calling yourself a master. I don't know. It depends. Who do I'm, you think you are? A master. Masters. You can call me master. That's pretty dope. 
I wish I could be a master of something. Right. But I'm not. But you will be soon. How much longer you got to tell you you're uh, mastering up? I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm probably going to take a different route. I mean, the master electrician is more for, like, if you want to own your own business. Oh, okay. Um, as, and you don't want to do that? Not in construction, no. How come? I don't particularly enjoy construction. And you want to spend your time Especially residential like. construction. I mean, I can do commercial. I like that. It's kind of fun. But yeah, it seems like it'd be a lot easier in commercial. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I did it for eight years, and I enjoyed it a lot more. Is uh, On a day-to-day basis, do you like electrical work more or less than doing Spartina? Uh, Not just as uh, enjoyment more? of the experience. Well... It depends if I get to fucking drive an airboat or not. Of course, that's a variable that it's it's a yes. Can't, it can't be left out. Yeah, that's uh, definitely important. Yeah, I think the airboat because I, I, now I I have access, but I don't actually run the boats much at all. Um, I miss it a lot. It's so fun. There's nothing better. Yeah, like just cruising on a nice summer day out there on the bay. Right. I love it. And you know you're kind of in your zone. You gotta, you gotta navigate shit. Yeah. Some, I mean, we should do a podcast sometime about those years, the Spartana days. That was a good time. Um, I'm gonna, have, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm gonna have Ed come on and talk about that stuff too. He told me he'd come on and talk about mining also. Mining gold, yeah. Bitcoin. Oh yeah. Just kidding. Well. Um, minerals. I should mine Bitcoin. I go back and forth because the profitability sways so much. Some some days it's very profitable. Other days it's not profitable at all. And right. when I remember when I was talking about that around August September, I was I was planning on buying a, a couple mining rigs and putting them in my shed, and I never ended up doing it. Um, right after that, the profitability just soared, and and all of the I think they're ASIC mining rigs, and they're impossible to get now. So was, I really should have right. pulled the trigger on that. But you never know. For all I know, if I would have done that, then you don't have to be crashed. a miner. You can no. just I'll be a collector. Just hold it. Yeah. Just take it. That's my plan. It's yeah. It's it's property in cyberspace. It's such a hard thing to conceptualize. Sometimes, yeah. Well, well, yeah, a lot of time, but I the way I go back, uh, the way I can put myself in people's headspace of uh, hesitant to get in, because I imagine there's a lot of those right now. A lot oh, yeah. of people who are like seeing the potential for value, seeing the potential for profit, and, and but being like, I don't understand it deep enough. I don't understand what I'm buying enough to risk my money to even take on a little risk, which Bitcoin is fairly high risk. Um, just because of the volatility, but it's really, is it, I think that it's less and less all the time, but it's still so volatile that it, I think the risk is there depending on what your goals are. Right. Which I'm, I'm going long. I'm so I'm not, but is volatility a bad thing? No, it's important. It's a crucial. Yeah. I was getting worried when it was continuously going up and up and up. I was really kind of glad when it hit 40 and started coming back down. 
it, it needed to correct because it starts to seem like it's built too much on people's enthusiasm and that's flimsy. I want real support like right. to know that that money's going to be there. What's up? Oh, I got to go. You got to go to the bathroom? Yeah. I'll All right. Good. Are those prescription glasses? They are. They are. Do you like them? I think you got them more for style. Oh, you think I'm stylish? Yeah. You're just saying that. Yeah. You got what your wires crossed there, bud. As an electrician, I expect better of you. They weren't crossed. They were. You're talking about the headphones? Maybe not. Okay, I was wrong about the wires. <sighs> wires, wires, wires. Wires, wires, wires. Fucking wires. So, before Colton disrupted this podcast to take a shit... <laughs> <laughs> yes? What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, just moving. How, whether or not it's, it's driven by curiosity or your wanderlust or if... Do you just get anxious staying in the same place? Are you worried you're going to be crushed in your sleep and by tsunami? Uh, what's the deal? No. Um, yeah, probably a little anxious. Uh, I don't. Ever since I moved back here, though, I've just kind of missed Utah. Uh huh. Um, do you ever miss Bellingham? I lived there for a while. So. Uh yeah, I do. But those years are. Well, well, back there. Yeah. It's a long time ago. And yeah. I, and I'm not interested in doing the same type of stuff that I did in Bellingham. Like working at the port, raking leaves? Yeah, <laughs> definitely don't want to do that. I mean, that's simple. It's kind of sounds pleasurable. That was times. a good time, uh, those those years. So, and obviously, you guys aren't going to know what we're talking about, but uh, I went to Western Washington University, and Colton went to... Live there. <laughs> um, there was... Work so out at the rec center. That was fun. There was some leaves at the port there that were, needed to be raked. Fuck then, yeah, Like, did. Colton, get your ass down here, or I guess up here. And so we lived there, and it was fun. We were working out a lot and didn't really have a whole lot of responsibility or money, so couldn't get in all that much trouble. The only thing I would recommend not doing in that on that front is taking a huge bong rip of resin out of Mr. Riley. <laughs> Mr. Riley was the name of our house bong. That was a big, milky, <clears throat> soupy resin. <laughs> oh, yeah. For those who aren't pot smokers, or actually, I'd, I'd even say for those who weren't pot smokers back back then, then yeah. I, I don't smoke resin now, I never would. Disgusting. Right. Um, but when you're really poor and there's nothing else, you'll do it. And it's not even, it's not legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And it's not pleasant. It tastes horrible. Um, bad smoke, but boy. Uh, they will really knock your dick in the dirt. The green willies. <laughs> I uh, got the weed wiggles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get curled up on the couch, shaking. Yeah. 
Good times. Yeah, good times. I'll never forget the time that we took acid, though. Oh, I have that on my list of stories to tell. Uh, I, I titled it uh, The Time That Sawyer... I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gave Sawyer acid? <laughs> no, The Time That Colton... I You know, I really can't fully explain that, why I do that all the time. I constantly mix up Sawyer and Colton. The words don't sound a lot alike... But for some reason, your, your representation in my head, I think it's just because I, I love both you guys, and you're both like, I consider you both friends and family. So, like, I, I, I don't know what, what it is. I, I, not to say that I consider you my son. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think I look out for you uh, when I can. If I have a chance, I, I got your back. And I, um, <laughs> that's funny, though. It's, it's, it happens a lot. Yeah. I'll mix up my son and my my best friend. Also, I mix up my uh, older daughter, Elsa, with Daisy, my dog, who they're both beautiful and energetic, and I love them. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the comparison kind of ends there. I don't know what else there is that (laughs) could be causing that, but it happens. So I got to own it. Right. And Daisy understands. We were just talking the other day about (laughs) the whole thing. Like, Yeah. Don't cover the mic with it. when you're laughing. That's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dave, she seems pretty understanding. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Traveling. Travel. Move. Moving. Moving. Yeah. Oh, but w- w- real quick, though, when we were, uh, we talked briefly about your time in California. Uh, you're a College of the Redwoods alum, oh, I take it. We didn't we didn't bring that up at all, but now that we did talk about California, um, no, before you took a shit, not under Mike. No, we didn't. Mm, just briefly, I I was given a synopsis of your travels. Oh, um, let's play a clip. Okay. And then right there, I'll replay the part where I said it, and then you'll be like, "Oh fuck, I I look like a fool." <laughs> Um, maybe not though. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't say it, but you, I did. You probably I did. Tapes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so California. California. Um, what were you doing there? <laughs> Trying to. How did you end up there in the first place? I guess I should say. Well, I worked the summer doing the Spartina. What does that mean? You know, spraying grass with yeah. chemicals. To kill it, you I know a lot about that. I was there, but these people weren't there. Yeah, you got to tell them what it means. So we started the summer after high school, working for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, killing Spartina grass out on the Willapaw Bay. It was a invasive, um, non-native plant species that was taking over the bay. Now, was that a Spartina densiflora? Maybe a Spartina patens? <laughs> fucking no. Oh, it was probably Spartina alterniflora. Yeah, alterniflora. I knew that. Yeah, actually, I, know, I, know you. I, did, I did know that. Um, so we, I mean, it was really cool. We got to drive it was amazing. boats. And that was the best part about it. Well, we didn't just drive them. We, like, sprayed from them. They, we were, sp- they were our yeah. work vehicle. Like, just, there would be these clumps of grass that would be anywhere from three feet actually even smaller like anywhere from a couple inches in diameter to 20 feet 
uh, and you, we would go around, like go up to him in an airboat, and then pit, the driver would pivot the boat so that the nose is up against this round clump of grass, and the whole rest of the boat's spinning sideways, just sliding sideways around it. And there's two guys in the front of the boat holding on for dear life with one arm and holding a spray gun with the other arm and hosing the plant while spinning. It was really hard to do and a fucking blast. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Ditches, really fun. navigate around. Those boats are incredible. They can go through some stuff that I would never have imagined. I it, sank one. Yep, yep. What happened? Huh? What happened? I remember, I wasn't there, actually there for that. I pulled it up on a bank. The tide was going out. I threw the anchor out onto the bank, but it was really steep. And there was no mud below it for it to kind of come to rest on after the tide went out. And so we went out to go spray and come back. And the anchor had kind of held it up on the bank as the water went out. Instead of going out with the water, it sank down into the water. Oh, so the water came, it changed like, and then it made the nose point up in the air so the water could come in the back. Yeah, so the water went. Cover immersed the batteries and But um, you weren't on the boat when it sank. Put by the engine. No. But I was on the boat once when I sank it too. Well <laughs> tell that story. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really sink it. Uh kinda, actually. I remember being on the boat when you were driving one time and we were going over a hump that like just the very top of the hump was out of the water and but it was actually really steep. So when we got on there, the we got high centered, the the ass end dropped down in under the water uh, because they, these boats have no buoyancy and water just started flooding in the back and the prop started hitting the water and I remember like you couldn't see what was going on because it was uh, th- these boats are also extremely loud so you're wearing earmuffs all the time you get really good at communicating with hand signals but I was like pointing back to the fact that we were sinking and he eventually looked and saw and we just hammered it and drove up over the hump and up onto the shore, and we were fine. But, yeah, they go down quick. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Giant aluminum boat. Anyway, California. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, so made some money. Didn't save any of it, but found out that I was able to collect unemployment afterwards. So, drew unemployment, 18 years old. A bunch of friends. Jeff was going to school at Humboldt State University. That was a fun year. It was cool. Um, Freshman, just out of high school. A lot of people probably don't know, and actually I don't even know if it's still like this, but when we were at at this time, Arcata, California was like a special place. Hippie capital of the world. Yeah. They're just the downtown square. It was like a medieval fair like crafts and stuff people selling drugs and you know lots of drugs homemade keychains and pot of gold <clears throat> pot of gold pot of gold <laughs> pot, pot of gold this is before marijuana was legal so it was really um kind of taboo and this is a this was a place where but accepted in arcada yeah for some reason arcada was ahead of the ahead of the curve on that one was it actually legal there actually i don't remember sort of the police never really uh it was kind of unofficially they they didn't they they didn't bother you yeah they police knew you would be smoking a joint on the street and they they really wouldn't bother you 
Yeah, it was the first place I ever saw open consumption um, of marijuana. Of marijuana in downtown Arcata. Yeah, it's other around than, the square, and even like concerts. Yeah. Even like actually, even like at concerts, I never really saw that many people smoking pot Fucking at concerts. Hippies everywhere. Yeah. So Redwood Smudge. Park was Redwood Park was just. It was in town, right? Maybe a half a mile walk from the square. Yeah, it wasn't that far at all. And it was nestled back in the Redwood Forest. So there's these giant thousand-year-old trees. And inside the stumps, you would find people living. Like, uh, lots of them. Very so you luxurious. just wa- wander the... Yeah, it was like yeah. homeless paradise. Yeah. And they would, uh, like, they would grow weed out there. They would have this little mini-society of homeless people and Mm. it was back you know before homeless people were trendy okay this is back uh like before homeless people really got there really popped now you talk about the homeless everybody's been around the homeless because they live on every block it's this is back at a time when if you wanted to be amongst the homeless you had to kind of seek them out find them get in there make them know you were cool somehow go to northern california that's right so that's what my buddies did i was really gonna you know try to go to college that's why i was down there (laughs) and it was being homeless was fun (laughs) (laughs) so i was staying in a dorm and redwood park was right outside humboldt's campus so it's like a five minute walk from my dorm to the park so i would you know go to class during the day and then soon as it was done i'd pop on over to redwood park and see what my buddies have been up to so you got to experience all the good things of being homeless without actually being homeless yeah how long were you guys actually homeless? Uh, a few weeks, at least. I mean, probably more. I feel, a, I feel like it was at least a month. We were camping. We had money. You had a little bit. We and had you a, were looking for a place. I had a weekly unemployment income. Were you guys uh, doing, staying at the beach? Doing me well. Uh, <laughs> Is that what, what it was? We did that as well. We stayed at the park until we got kicked out of the park. Uh, I slept. Who kicked you out of the my, park? The police. We didn't sleep in the woods like all the other hippies. Dangerous. We just didn't want to. We just they were all was, they sucking were on each other. And, <laughs> yeah. It was a gross. There was I mean, a gross the vibe day, we at would night. We'd go out there and smoke weed with them, and mm-hmm. uh, they would try to get us to drink off the same bottle. You but, made some good friends out there, didn't you? I well, who was the guy with the voice? Friends? The little no. voice changing device. I fucking walked around with a backpack full of drugs. I forget his name. Sean. It was Sean. Sean. Homeless Sean. Yeah, homeless Sean. His super old girlfriend. It was like 60. <laughs> I didn't remember her being very old. She was old. But I did smoke ungodly amounts of hash when, when we got there. Yeah, that was the the and land where gold. hash just everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, I've noticed they don't really call it hash anymore. Hmm. Like yeah. uh, dab. crumble, dab whatever else i don't know i'm not i'm not hip with it no me either um but then back then it was a whole different world of it really was smoking and a lot of the stories that i had from that era of my life which i thought were really cool then like the fact that we found like a, a 10 pound pile of trim on the side of the road and filled up two black garbage bags with it and then took it to my sister's house and processed it all into hash, actually. Um, and 
bunch of edibles and stuff. That used to be a cool story because people had never seen that amount of weed. Because um, all they had ever seen was just like a nugget here or there, <clears throat> a little nug here or there. But um, now everybody's seen that amount of weed. You can grow your own weed now. Yeah, you grow your own weed. You go to the store and see it in all the jars behind the counter. Do you remember the first couple times you saw even like an ounce all in the same place? It was just like, <gasps> oh yeah, I remember walking into the uh, medical marijuana um, facility in, in Arcata. Arcata, yeah. Arcata, yeah. Um, you had to pretend you were blind. Yeah. Or, no, pretend you were deaf or something. Glaucoma. Or <laughs> but I didn't have the license, so <clears throat> they didn't sell me any. But I got to go in there and look at it. It was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that was nerve-wracking. I didn't like going in there. My friend had a medical card, and he would take me in there with him and let me pick stuff out. And they were totally cool about it. I was the one who was being awkward. Right. But They didn't give a shit. No, they don't care. Anyway, we got we got kicked out of the out of the park by the cops because we were sleeping in my car. Um, They're like you find yourself a nice warm stump like everybody else. Yeah, well, something like that, you know. And then Ronnie's mom bought a hotel room. Uh, she called in and put her credit card on a hotel room for us to stay in. But the uh, management of the hotel room. Uh, would not allow us all to stay in, in the one hotel room. So uh, they found out, and they kicked us all out. We stayed one night. And you were the only one with a car, I was correct? the only one with a car. So we slept in my car. <laughs> At Pacific Beach. In the beach. parking lot Wasn't of there the hotel room. Um, a beach that you liked? Eventually, we went and got a tent, moved out to the beach, Um which was a lot of fun. It was right over the airport, or right below the airport, over the airport, right below the airport where between, the planes would take off. And between Arcata and Eureka? Yeah, I think it's Arcata Beach. Oh, okay. I th- I'm pretty sure it was called Arcata Beach. Uh, and we would camp there. We'd just pay a fee. Mm-hmm. And we'd get a little camp spot and just kind of camp out. And, you know, have a fire, tell stories. Get would you? High. Would it be just like you and? It was. It was at the time. It was just me, Thomas, Dan, and Ronnie. Uh, and one night stands out to me when this random fella, I should say, he he came to our campsite, and I think he was high on mushrooms. I, not if I can remember right, he was tripping, uh, and he came to our campsite just spazzing out, just you know, fucking just going crazy, saying a bunch of weird shit about aliens that are following him uh and uh we all looked at him like what the fuck's this guy crazy and he's he's got a bunch of weed so we're just kind of letting him hang out so he can smoke some some of his pot with us (laughs) and uh and he uh a plane took off over you know above us from the airport and i remember dan was like so so, so one of those UFOs, and the guy just fucking jumped up, screaming, left all his weed laying on the ground, and just fucking took off running. So we got to smoke all his weed. It was fun. Did he come back? Nope. Never came back. Wow. He disappeared. I remember there being kind of a, I wouldn't call it a business venture, but it was like a known thing that back then you could go get a bunch of weed in California and bring it back and sell it up here where it was more expensive or whatever drugs 
because yes. it was so easy. Like, supply was so limited back then that people in this area were smoking garbage. Just shitty weed. So, yeah. like, anything you'd bring from Humboldt was, like, La! the best ever. It right. was, yeah. Um, I remember. Did you ever make any, any trips like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously not you personally, but no, the, no, not the drug thing because that's illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. Me and Thomas thought about uh, picking a bunch of mushrooms, bringing them down there, and trading them for marijuana. Would that have worked if you did it? Hypothetically? Oh, it certainly would. Yeah, yeah, it did. And then, and then we imagined that we would dose them with mushrooms, and we had the whole park tripping on mushrooms. Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I remember that. I remember this. I mean, I remember thinking about that hypothetically. Hypothetically. That there was this guy who um, was had the bag, and he, like, was putting his hand on the bag and saying, you can feel it, man. You can feel the energy. <laughs> yeah. You can feel it. The magic, man. Yeah. And I was like, what a freaking weirdo. Yeah. And now I'm like, you can feel it, man. You can. You, you can. can feel it. You, you really look. Can. You look at some stuff, and and you can see the energy. I've turned into such a freaking hippie. Like, it's bizarre that at this age, I uh, and it's because I got bored with with just being a materialist. Like, it just there's not enough to look into. Like, if you just believe in what you can see and touch and measure, I like thinking about how all that stuff connects behind the scenes and in different ways and has relationships that we're not able to see that's what that's all that that woo woo bullshit is it's yeah. just like it's patterns that we're not able to recognize um just as much as like you can't see x-rays but they're there or you know right i i like thinking about that kind of shit when i when i start to actually articulate it and put it into words i feel crazy oh yeah me too so um, don't do that very often. I stopped caring because I'm not crazy. That's the thing. I like to think about this, this stuff because it's fun. And I also think that it, it provides potential to make breakthroughs in, like, in philosophy. And even if it's just in my own mind, I like coming up with things that I'm like, oh, wow, that's insightful. That's, I'm really glad I had that thought. Right. Um, even if it's just fleeting. I like that feeling a lot. So it's worth it to me. I agree. Um, I agree. Because crazy people do crazy shit, and they they're dangerous. The and I I shouldn't even say crazy people because that's kind of pigeonholes a whole group. Like, yeah, crazy people. What is crazy? Like that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. If you like, I guess you could make it mean whatever you want. But I take it to mean different than everyone else. And if that's your definition, then I'm definitely crazy. Right. Um. But if it means, like, dangerous and not fit for society, then fuck no, I'm not crazy. I'm a good dude. Right. <laughs> I, I pay my taxes, you know. I have a good job and take care of my kids. And I'm not crazy then in that way. But I definitely believe some shit that other people don't. Um, Language is beautiful. Yeah. It's under attack. It's sad. It is. That's not... It's how you express things. That's not really what I meant, but... It is still true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It is. And and really important in this day and age that I'm people just, know I, that. I'm just thinking about how 
crazy can be used in so many different contexts and perceived in so many different ways. But if, like, you use other words, then all of a sudden language is dangerous. Yeah. You know, the way you talk about things is yeah, it's just dangerous. Knives are dangerous, too, but yeah. everyone's got one in their drawer. Yeah. Like, just because stuff's dangerous doesn't mean we should restrict it completely. No. I mean, not completely, but... Um, have, do you know anything about all this uh, people being banned from... Actually, fucking... I'm tired of hearing about that. You guys tired of hearing about that? I'm tired of hearing about that. Okay, I think we have consensus. I'm actually tired of thinking about it. Me too. Dude, do you remember when social media was just, like... This little fun extra thing that some people did, most people didn't, and it was like more of had an air of frivolity. MySpace. MySpace, yeah. MySpace, even Beginning Facebook. Stages in of the Facebook. early times. Yeah. Um, the internet, as in general. When we were in, in Bellingham, and Facebook was starting to starting to starting steal to our mater- data. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Turn into a profit machine. <laughs> Seriously. I never thought of it like that then. Though. It really is. That's what they do. It's a machine that takes your data and turns it into money. Yeah, I know that now, for yeah. sure. I didn't I mean, I don't even know if, when they actually started doing that. I don't think they did from the beginning. And I don't think so either. I they didn't. I couldn't have. Yeah. Did I remember being like confused of how Facebook was ever going to make money. And then they or did they always have ads? I don't know. It's not even the actual ad presence that makes them the money, I don't think. I think it's like the fact that they sell data to other third-party organizations. Right. Like, what was that? The one that got the breach. That's been too long. I forgot. a long time, yeah. The news cycle. Yeah. Too fast. <clears throat> yeah, we eventually got a house in California. Mm-hmm. It was in a... What was that? Oh, so... Nice little pink house. That was in Eureka, right? <laughs> I have a picture yeah. in my mind of this tiny little house. It was house in Eureka. Rotten porch. In the, in the woods a little bit. If I drove there now, I could not find the house. I wouldn't even, be, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to look. Me either. I wonder what Eureka's looking like these days. It was pretty rough then. Remember it being pretty run down? Yeah, there's, there was some uh, violence, mm-hmm. some issues with it. Yeah. Which is crazy. We lived on the fucking streets there some a few nights. Mm-hmm. As 18-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. A lot of people don't do that. No. Well, now 18-year-olds stay home more. Yeah. And they, then come back after college even. They don't move out as much anymore. No. And go explore the world. No. And it's a shame. Yeah. I'm wondering if they still want to. Or if that's just become something that's culturally not just not expected, and they so they don't think about it. But the I remember really starting at about age sixteen, just wanting nothing more than to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, me too. And wanting to just go establish myself and build a life somewhere, and not even knowing at all where that would be. Yeah, or I caring. Think, I think that feeling still follows me. Yeah, me too, but not as much as it used to. Right. Settling down and having a family really kind of zaps it. It at least takes it from a place of real options to a place of just like maybe someday I'll go here or go here. Because I do plan on still doing more traveling and trying other stuff. And I just want to live this way forever, like where I let my passion drive me. And like 
I was so afraid of doing anything remotely risky until I had enough money in the bank to survive. If I lost my job tomorrow, I wouldn't be destitute for at least a week. So that's, I mean. That's important. Savings is not taught enough. Like people don't really know. I got, I feel, this is hard for me to say because I feel embarrassed. I did not save any money until I was 30 years old. Don't worry about it, man. I um, still don't save money. It's it's just... I, I save some, but... I really think it's uh, a, a blind spot in our education system. Because not... I, I, like, I remember having plenty of opportunities to save, but making the choice not to because I'd rather have a Subway sandwich. Right. Or I'd rather put it... In Subway? Dude, that's my measuring <laughs> stick for poverty. Uh, if I can't afford to go buy a Subway sandwich, uh, I need to do something different because I'm not making enough money. Like, that was, when I was a kid, that was something that was really big to me. Like, to have the option to go buy, to spend $10 on food. And now it's so disgusting. Yeah, it's not good food. Um, uh, you can smell the vegetables on you for several hours after. Yeah, they spray that, that smell on there. It's like new car smell. <laughs> yeah. Subway vegetable smell. You can get it online. But you know what I mean, though. Just like that, when you're so when you you're you're so poor that you you just you know that you don't have the option of buying food, so you don't you have to force yourself to stop thinking about it. Yeah, that sucks. That's such a damaging thing to happen, especially as a kid. Um, That so it's just been ingrained in my head. Like I use it often. Like I remember thinking like. Once I can just buy a fucking subway anytime I want, like, then I'll have made it. Um, if I could afford to eat subway every day, and I didn't even love subway then. It was just the fact that it's like, it's a step up for McDonald's. It's yeah. just like, it's not the dollar menu. It's the next, and it actually fills you up, and it's something that... Seems healthier. Seems healthier, especially back then. This is like late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. And it was something that everyone ate. It didn't... If you show up at the food bank, it's it's really hard to enjoy the food, and the your appetite kind of goes away when you think people are looking at you. It's but even McDonald's, I I was really self conscious about people thinking I was poor. Um, the McDonald's, it's like fuck that. I'm gonna go stand in McDonald's line with the scrubs. Gotta get the dollar menu. <laughs> and be forced to just get a McChicken, even though they're disgusting. <laughs> so I was like, Subway, though. Uh, there we go. That's living large. And, yeah, God, it's weird to think about this stuff. So in my head, it still is, like, when you can't afford to feed yourself, it, that's poverty. And to feed yourself something you want to eat. Because right. now it's like a ribeye steak. So that's my new my new bar. I think it's expensive. Yeah, it does, but um, I sure feel a hell of a it's lot nice better. Nice to have that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I don't. Um, I don't worry so much about having to buy food. I, it's just like I know the money's there. I I keep a budget, but it's not something I think about all the time. I just know that as long as I stay under a certain mark, food wise, I'm good. Right. Um, I don't even remember how we got on this venue. saving. Saving, yeah. Um, so I never had any kind of motivation to save because I didn't think that it was, I thought it was a luxury, even though I was like, 
you really can save pennies. Like you really can save change. It all adds up. Because um, as soon as it does add up to a meaningful chunk that you could turn into an investment and put it in an, an IRA or even in just a normal savings account. Back then, I remember savings accounts yielding much higher interest right. uh, than they do now. You lose interest now, pretty much. Really? If you put with money fees. into a savings account. Yeah, well, with fees and with the fact that your money is less, you know, the fact that they just fucking print up the money anyway. Oh, because the value is the value going down of your money inflation. goes down. I gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, did do you remember being encouraged to, like, I, I remember maybe, maybe people talking about it as like something that would be a good idea. Like, uh, like doing yoga. Like, yeah, it's really good for you if you have the time and you want to do it. But you don't have to do yoga to be healthy. Savings is crucial for you to be healthy as, a, as an adult. Um, if you don't have any savings, you're going to have a low-level anxiety that is going to gnaw at you all the time. Right. Um, and it's, I mean, it gets some people worse than others, especially depending on how they were brought up. But... I didn't even realize it was getting me through my entire 20s. I, I really, because I had a good job. I've had lots of good jobs and I've had money consistently for just, I mean, I've had an income consistently for the last decade. So um, I thought I was okay. But if anything catastrophic would have happened, I would have been screwed because I didn't have any savings. I just started saving like three years ago, two years ago even, um, in a meaningful way. Like I had a savings account. But I wasn't regularly depositing into it, and I, I wasn't thinking about how that money was making money. Um, as soon as I started doing that, not only did I realize that I had been completely thinking about it wrong my whole life, money, um, but on top of that, it's fun. Like It does not feel like a sacrifice to put $100 into a in stock market investing in something. If I've done the research and I really truly believe that it's a wise investment, it's really fun. Uh, yeah. It's like gambling plus. And I don't know. I think we should teach kids about that stuff. I, it's really important because it's almost like this special little club that you only get to be in if you have money already. And the fact is that you don't have to. I, I, when I started, it was just a, like 100 bucks. I think, was my first investment. And my original thought was that I would put that $100 in. I think I bought Tesla, um, which is a company that I've been following since they've been in existence. And I'm, I've like read books about how they function. And I really just like, I love that company. I think it's, I think it's destined to be only better. It's only going to improve in the future. And so I was like, yeah, I'm confident that I'm not going to lose my money here. Right. And so I put it in, and the plan was just, I really thought, oh, I'm going to put it in here and forget all about it. And, uh, you know, a year from now or, or however long, I'm going to open this up, and it's going to be bigger, and that's going to feel good. That was how I saw it playing out. And then it ended up being, no, I'm actually going to start checking it every day. And putting a little more money in. I'm going to add a little more. And then I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, oh, I kind of have an interest in this. Uh, no good interest intended. to have. Yeah, I mean it can get. I'm sure it could get carried away. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people you know. have lost their livelihood. Right. Um, but I'm only investing money that I would have just had sitting there anyway. Uh, it was money that I was saving, so 
it's it's not I don't have to sacrifice my Subway sandwich to to buy a bit of Tesla stock. Right. And I think that that's a place that is you really have to get there before investing is even not only a good idea but even fathomable. Um, when I try to talk to somebody in my family who doesn't have a whole lot of income about something like investing in Bitcoin, which is a financially smart move right now, it seems like it feels like I'm speaking another language. Because, and I know why, because that's just not their world. Like right. every single penny that they have is already spoken for because it, it's either going to because they're not they don't have enough income to cover all their bills and expenses already. So it's a juggling act. What can I put off paying the longest? Oh, this my credit card bill isn't due till the 18th, but my phone bill is due on the second. So I today's the first. They're going to shut my phone off. I can push that other bill out a little bit and pay this one. It's never just like, oh, check's here. Here I go. I'll pay in every bill. Or just have it set up automatically. Yeah, to where you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. It's a constant stressor. You just know you have the money in the account. Yeah. Because you have that much money. Yeah, because you are not in poverty. Yeah. Because your expenses don't exceed your income. Right. But as soon as you cross that line, you are entering a realm of misery where it's I mean, I don't want to sound hyperbolic about it because I know people have it a lot worse than I ever did. And I, you know, yeah, it could have been way worse, but I really, it really affected me. It affected how I see the world and how I look at money. And like an analogy I like to use about money and how people use it is like water. And a person who's always had money uh, grew up in an affluent society with family who's it's not like just one rich person in the family who kind of has to support everybody. It's more, everyone's just wealthy. You know what I'm talking about? Just right, a, right, right. A, a culture of wealth. They see money like an ocean. Like there's so much there that they could never use it all. So the way they have to, they have to be thoughtful about how they allocate it. So like they can put, like they just have to be careful not to overconsume and ruin their lives. Like they need to have kind of self-control in that way. But somebody who has never really had a, enough income to make it on the opposite, they're drinking out of puddles. Of yeah. So they they're when you're so thirsty and you've been walking for a while without any water and even though you can see in the distance these motherfuckers out there on jet skis, it, you get really bitter and you start to feel like those people are not me. I I'm never gonna be that. I never. They don't want me in that world. Like they start to seem like a different kind of creature. And then if you're walking around getting bitter and and just thirstier and thirstier, and you find a puddle, you're gonna drink it. You're gonna do something to make yourself feel better in the now because that's the moment you can control. Drugs. You're gonna get drugs. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna spend it on something just to reduce that level of discomfort. Right. Um, and maybe it's not drugs for everybody, but for I mean, a lot. Look at any place where the opioid crisis is in full full force, and you're gonna also find some economic problems. Right. Like there's, it's not does not occur in isolation. Right. The opioid epidemic. I, I would even say like I haven't looked at the numbers, so this is probably dumb to speculate on, but I would not doubt that in affluent communities the usage rates on opioids are similar. But the effects of that are probably 
drastically different. So if a, if a community of wealthy people, uh, if they're all using heroin secretly, and, but they're doing it in a healthy way because they have education and they have access to really good doctors and so they know what's going on. And they can feed themselves. They can feed themselves so that they're not like hiding away in, in a fucking trap house shooting up. Right. The, those eating cans of chili. Yeah. And just surviving. That they stole out of someone's house. Right. Because they don't have any money. But Because being well fed helps you make better choices. Yeah. They have a nice bed they can go home and take a, take a nap on. Like, but they're still using drugs to yeah. enjoy them. That's, I, I mean, again, we're just spitballing here. But the less I, effect. I would really bet that no one would consider that an opioid epidemic. Because it's really a problem of poverty. And it's a problem with people not having access to mental health services. It's, there are economic issues that are probably greater than the drug issues even though the drug issues are also a thing. Right. And it's a big variable. But it's one that can swing in both directions. There are some obvious benefits to to drugs, but they have such a potential for damage that, in my opinion, it's not worth it to fuck with most of them for most people. Right. That's not to say people can't use them in a healthy way, but I just think that it requires so much self-awareness and effort and planning, and just, it, it takes way too many cognitive resources to maintain that lifestyle where you're a healthy, regular user of drugs. It takes way too much. It's, I don't think it's worth it. I think you're better off to try to be as sober as you can. And if you really need some help to keep yourself on an even keel, it's, it's okay to use drugs in a safe and healthy and legal way. Right. But You would think that, with the uh with the advancements in technology and the fact that everybody has access to to a smartphone or the ability to log in, plug into the internet and have that access to information that those that those issues would improve over time. Wouldn't you? Cuz people could have access to more opportunity. I think that they will. I think that we need we need kind of a cultural awakening. Progress happens so slow, and like people can't. It's hard to see. It's hard to see. No one, we're not. You know, people people aren't like just recognizing it. I I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but like no, yeah, just, you are. You're uh, like maybe these situations are improving throughout society and throughout the world, and we just don't really re- recognize it. I think there's a good chance of that. I think so, too. I talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Um, I have an idea about quantum computers when they come online on a large scale. And I should say, I don't know shit about quantum computers. All I really know is very, very basic. And and that is that they're going to be able to have much, much more computing power. So they'll be able to handle a much greater load of processing and they'll be able to do it much faster than our standard computers and that's that has something to do with the coding language and binary and the fact that something can actually in a quantum system would be able to be simultaneously a one and a zero that's the gist of it but that's about as deep as i get it i don't even know how regular computers work right remember how cool those uh computers 
with the clear backs. Or... Oh, hell yeah, man. The iMac. We had them in school. The yeah. original iMac? The original iMac. Those were awesome. They had the different colors. Yeah. <laughs> they were really cool. I bet it seems like they would make a throwback of that. I think it was that was a major hit from Apple. Yeah. They, got, they made a lot of money. How fast time flies. You know what's weird is when you hear people talk about Apple a lot now, they reference 2007 as the year that Apple became Apple. And it's... Go ahead. iPhones. Yeah. iPhones came out in 2007. First time I ever Googled was fifth grade. Oh, no, that was Ask Jeeves. Yeah, but they'll reference 2007 because that was when the iPhone, first iPhone came out. The I remember Apple being just like, Huge before that, like right, yeah. The iMac, everyone wanted the iMac iPod, or iPod. Yeah, iPod, exactly. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with Sean Stern, where in like 2004 or five, um, because we were working at WSU Long Beach and doing research on cranberries or oysters or Spartina or something. Um, I don't remember what we were doing, but we. The point is, we had a GPS. A cell phone, uh, a laptop. We had all these devices: a compass, a wind meter, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm like, and it was my job to like carry the heavy shit and push the wheelbarrow. And I was the research assistant. And um, I was just like, I really think they should just put all this in one thing. That I, I really, I, actually, I think I was talking about how I'm sure that they will do this. It was so, so obvious to me trying to hold all this stuff. I was like. They look a lot alike. The GPS and the wind meter and the phone were all about the same size, had about the same amount of buttons. The wind meter not, but you get the point. Yeah. It was just like, when are they going to figure this shit out and just condense this into one? And then it was like, boom, oh, right boy, after that. It didn't that. take long. So my question is, how did they hear me say that when the iPhone wasn't even listening to my conversation <laughs> yet? <laughs> You deserve some compensation. For yeah, I, they can have that one. Uh, imagination. I've, I've reaped, reaped enough benefits from being an iPhone user to appreciate it. Yeah. I think we're in the infancy of uh, engineering breakthrough. What do you mean? Which is what I think is happening with Bitcoin. Uh-huh. Just like what happened with smartphones. Well, so what exactly is the difference between Bitcoin and like any other digital currency? So, or or fiat currency. What uh, makes Bitcoin special? Well, like digital gold. If you think about it, like digital gold, right? And so, how do we know that it's that you can't make more of it? That's something I hear people talk about a lot. Is like that the scarcity. There's only 21 million bitcoins, and that's coded in. It was engineered that way. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it was engineered to be perfectly like gold, but better, more, uh, you know, just more useful. Non, it doesn't have it doesn't it doesn't have to take up space. Like it's it's like gold, except for without the drawback of having to transport and physically possess it. Right. It's but pretty it cool. Is. It is really cool. I think. Um, I do think it is the future. I do too. Um. But, I mean, it, and with other cryptocurrencies, I feel like, uh, what's that? Michael Saylor has that saying that uh, diversification is selling the winners to buy the losers. And he pretty much saying that uh, Bitcoin is like the Apple or the Microsoft, you know, with 
when it comes to software production that other companies who tried to mimic those could not, you know. Yeah. Um, do you follow any of the other ones, like Ethereum or XRP? I used to. Not as much anymore. Dogecoin? Dogecoin. I had Dashcoin. Mm. I had a lot of Dashcoin at one point. But now I just like to put it all into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I'm almost hundreds of billions of dollars into Bitcoin. Yeah. So, like, I think of it as, like, uh, like energy, you know. It's it's uh, got all the energy. It's Bitcoin the is, like, the gravitational pull. It's sucking in every, Could everything. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Why is this time... So, I should give some background first. Bitcoin has jumped up huge amounts and then dropped back down in value several times now over the course of its existence of 12 years, right? And so it's still fairly new and highly volatile. But this last bull run where it went, I mean, during June of 2020, it was down below 6,000 per coin. And it, over the next six months, just rose to over $40,000 a coin. So if you had invested at that low point, you could have made a massive amount of money. I think Bitcoin was created to solve an economic problem that, you know, that's haunting us all and that people who invested in it early, like right when it first came out, Mm -hmm. people who saw that bought it and they've been holding on to it ever since. And I feel like they understand the problem that it's solving so like money is energy like you were you were talking about poverty you know uh-huh and you don't have if you have money you have energy you have money you you have a means to like propel yourself forward in society like you yeah. you you got capital to invest in things that can kind of launch you forward if you don't have money you don't have that energy to move forward and uh so i think bitcoin was i think it was created to solve the problem of our fiat uh monetary system that is like i think it solves multiple problems and 50 years ago we left the gold standard yeah and i used to nerd about that nerd out on this when Mm -hmm. i was in my hyper libertarian right yeah (laughs) uh being a term I like, I like <laughs> F.A. Hayek, but, uh, the, uh, so now there's nothing that backs the, our dollar. It's a floating currency. Right. It's a floating currency. So there's that nothing. That happens to be the world's, you know, go-to currency. Right. And what and happens that, if it's not? And what, and I feel like people like, you know, you need a relationship to like determine the value of that money. Right. Yeah. So like they would. Before, we would relate it to gold, and we'd use gold, the, the commodity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a hard time wrapping it all around my head, but... Sorry, like, we're, not, we're not economists. We're not economists. We're just trying, like, to, trying to make some money. These people... <laughs> uh, now this problem is getting bad, and it, and it seems that in history, like all big empires that debase their currency by like devaluing their money... Isn't that one of the signs of a failing society? A failing society, yeah. Like, and it happens over the course of usually like 50 years once they start running away with it. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up on 50 years since we 
took our money off the gold standard. Uh-huh. But and since we're, we're the world economic power, like everybody like relates their value to our dollars or Yeah, exactly. And what has changed in the last 4 years is that our our world standing has seemed to slip a little bit. It's slipping. And I'm worried that at some point China's going to be like no more. We're not going to use the dollar as our main currency, as our trading. Right. We're not going to trade in the dollar anymore. And then other big economic powers will follow. And before you know it, we are, we're having to trade in euros or yen or whatever. But like a good thing, though, that is or Libra uh, technology point. is just take off, took off. You know, it's just rapidly, you know, yeah. improving. And Bitcoin, I feel, is the is what is going to be plugged into that world. That's of, exactly what I think. You know, and uh, I, I think that people early on, when they bought it and they saw the technology, they believed in it, they held on to it, whereas other people were like, oh, an opportunity to make money. So mm-hmm. they would just buy it up and then sell it. Short sellers. And then, yeah, short sellers and the, or day traders, you know. And uh, so that's why it was so volatile. Yeah. But now, as more and more people see the value in it, it, it's increasing and it's leveling off because yeah. people are buying it to hold on to it because our Federal Reserve is inflating the economy by, well, for the last decade, it was like by 5% a year. This last decade with the pandemic, it's by like 26%. That's insane. Uh, and so there's trillions of dollars out there, people that have billions, you know, like that Michael Saylor feller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they just see all this money they have sitting that they, you know, that people have invested in them um, that is just losing its energy. Yeah. Like it's not. It's, it's got holes it's poked in it. Sucking the energy out of it. Slow yeah. leak. Slow leak. And so these people are trying to find a place to put this money to store its, you know, to retain, retain its value mm-hmm. over time. And they're gonna start buying Bitcoin because it mo- makes more sense than gold, because gold isn't as useful anymore, especially in a hyperly advanced technological world, yeah. where Bitcoin is just like plugged right into it. It's so much easier. And yeah, it, it just fits. But the and and not only that, because if people go out and buy up all the gold in this technologically advanced world, people are gonna put all their engineering capabilities together. To mine it faster and to mine more of it because it's more expensive and more valuable. Mm -hmm. So then it's inflating inevitably in that. Whereas Bitcoin... 21 million coins. 21 million coins. Yeah. And the system is like designed that... It's designed to... to, to, uh, The more it grows, the more people that mine it, the more it's being audited. And so like... The more faithful, because the network is expanding is. too. Because the, the blockchain. Because the blockchain is. See, that's something that I think is really cool. Just the fact that blockchain exists. I remember when I first heard about it, and so for people who don't know, blockchain technology is basically a connected network of servers, computers. It's basically just a, a way to spread processing, spread it over a, a really wide area, the whole world. To decentralize it so that not one single entity is responsible for maintaining the register 
Uh, is that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. So Never. if that was good, if it updates simultaneously across the blockchain, there has to be consensus. The so the other day there was uh, people started freaking out because they thought a, a double spend had occurred, like that somebody had spent the same bitcoins twice. And what had actually happened is there was two different mining pools working on the same block. I saw this, and so they created two different versions of the blockchain and uh what happens is after a certain amount of time consensus has to be achieved so that one of those two blockchain strains becomes the one the strain and then the other one is eliminated so that it's it's all been thought of before and it worked perfectly worked perfectly yeah yeah so there was no double spend there was just it just had to be updated in the blockchain right which is exactly how it's supposed to work um, it's it's really cool. But if this was traditional currency and the bank is the one who's responsible for maintaining accuracy of exchanges, all they have to do is lie. And I don't know that that happens a whole lot, but I know it's happened. I'm sure it happens all, a lot, actually. Why wouldn't it? Why would it not? Like all they – oh, they – and they can do it through ways that are, are less malicious like, oh, we just started these new fees. From now on, there's a 3% transaction fee. And boom, all of a sudden, they got your money. It's like the human fallibility part of it is being taken out. Exactly. Uh, it's like AI. It's a more use. It can be a much more useful. I, th- I think banks are going to use it. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it's going to be money. I don't think Bitcoin can be money. I bet it will eventually. I think it's property. So just a way to store value. Just a way to store value. And I think that it will be used, the technology will be used to uh, maintain honesty and honest money. But I kind of feel like the blockchain is, is going to be improved on. There's going to be other this – is, this is the reason I didn't buy into Bitcoin when it was first offered like a decade ago because I, I can see the potential right away. I'm like, this is awesome. I, I really liked it because that was, that was probably the height of my uh, researching – the government conspiracies and how the feds evil and all this stuff. So I'm like, Oh, an alternative to the federal reserve. I'll take it. Um, but it's brand new. It's the first of its kind. And I just, I always feel like the very first thing is always going to be just passed up by whatever corporate, uh, entity takes over where, when they have way more capital to just fix all the problems from the original thing and put a different name on it and go like, Facebook after MySpace. Right. Um, or like, imagine if you would have invested all your money in Napster and right. then watched Spotify just become a superpower. Like that kind of thing always worried me. Um, but surprisingly with Bitcoin. I don't think it's a case. It hasn't happened. No. There are some – Ethereum is the only one who's even remotely in the same ballpark. And there's, the value is still so much lower. And it's, it's more complex. Yeah. Um, where Bitcoin, once you understand it, it's much more, it's simple and, and more beautiful, like mostly simple. There are still some parts of it that are confusing, but, um, I, I, I used to struggle with the idea of like, what am I actually buying? Like when a I'm, lot of people struggle with that idea. Yeah. Cause and there's nothing there that you're buying really. No. The, the fact is all you're buying is uh proof that you are owed value. Like, so that at some point down the line, you can exchange this abstract substance for goods and services. Right. 
but it's not something you can hold, which well, bothers a lot of people. The world is becoming a network. Like we're we're all being plugged into this this network. You know, technology, AI, like everything is like I think I think technology obviously is an extension of ourselves. So we're just kind of in this world. It totally is. Yeah, we're in this like AI world. And uh yeah, the, I think, the robots aren't taking think, over. We're creating extensions of us. Yeah, and buying Bitcoin is buying property in cyberspace. That's an excellent way to put it. And it's just and so it's like that's going to be you know, that's why it's becoming so valuable and people who can actually see that are like there's so many there's people out there that understand it fully and yeah. that see this value so perfectly, you know, and so they're just they're buying it up and holding it. And now yeah. we're amongst the people that are just starting to try to understand it. But still so we're talking somewhat about early it. adopters. But we're still somewhat early adopters. And ninety nine percent of the world is gonna eventually be sucked into it. at a certain point they're not gonna have a choice. Yeah. That's it's that's what it be, looks like, you know. Yeah. yeah. When you kind of when you feel like you can see the writing on the wall and it's like this is where it's going. It, your, your black hole analogy works well because it's it's just like it's inevitable. Right. It's, it's gonna happen. Yeah, and the financial system's collapsing. You know, people don't even understand what a medium of exchange is. Like, yeah. They don't understand what is it? that. I mean, I, I think that it's just like you got money because. Before, you know, early times when you needed something, you would trade your skills that you've attained over time, the work and the energy you've put in to attain a skill or grow something or do something, and you would trade that for something else that you needed that you didn't have. But a medium of exchange is money, so you would take dollars or gold, and you would be like, well, the person that... You have something that I need, and I don't have what you need, but somebody else might have what you need. So here's some gold so you can go give to that person. You know what I mean? So it's a medium of exchange. So, yeah. So I can get holder. what you need. I, I can get what I need from you, but you can go take what I have, this medium of exchange, this piece mm-hmm. of gold, and you can take that and take it over to the person that you need something from. You know, and yeah. it, and that person has the same problem, same dilemma. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like it's a network that has expanded throughout history. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think how long, or if ever, how long do you think before you'll be able to just like you're go out on a date and buy dinner with Bitcoin? Like you're you're at Costco and you're you're sli- swiping your wallet, your hardware wallet, to pay for your groceries. I don't know. I think the currency will be different. Maybe it'll be Satoshi's, I think it'll, like Sato- really smaller like units Satoshi's. of Bitcoin. Yeah. That could be. <clears throat> but it, Bitcoin will be the index, the mm-hmm. the standard that, yeah. that is relate that everything relates off of. And it'll just be broken up and fractionalized. Right, right. I do enjoy Bitcoin, though. <laughs> just when I imagine uh, the beginning of time uh-huh. and then everything else, every force in nature, patterns... How it all like, interplays. And how it all interplays and how it's all so simple. And it's just yet, a few simple rules that make these beautiful patterns. Right. Really and cool. how it, how that ties into our psychology, how that kind of constructs and, and how how you know, you 
create stories about the world you live in and like just and all this energy like everything uh with like the fact that free will isn't necessarily free will but li- being but a human it is it's also not necessarily not free will it, uh, yeah it's weird yeah it is weird that's one of those things that i can't quite decide but it's there it and it's real works yeah that's exact well cuz in this moment i could choose to knock on the table or I could choose to not knock on the table. But then there's all these sets of conditions like I couldn't knock on the table if I wasn't in this room. Uh, or I couldn't knock on the table if I was born without hands. So, uh, like, you can get so – you can start to split hairs about what is actually free will. So it was it my free will to come into this room in the first place? Um, or was the choice – where is the choice? And it, the fact is it's every moment is a new choice um, and probably, I mean, layers of choice. And every moment is another splinter in the multiverse, and you can go any which direction. It's If you think about it like that, uh, as if we're operating in a realm of possibility, and then we, we, everything we do sends us on one way or another, and there are lots of branches, it, life gets a lot more entertaining. Right. And a lot more meaningful. When I'm doing something completely mundane, like stopping to re-tie my shoe, it didn't come untied. It just feels a little weird. It's like maybe it's a little looser than the other foot, and I want it to be a little tighter. I'll I'll pull up and, you know, retie the shoe. And even just telling this little story about retying my shoe, what if the time it took me to tell that story about retying my shoe means I leave 45 seconds later, and that truck that is coming down the road just T-bones the fuck out of me, and I'm dead because I stopped to tie my shoe. I used to think about this stuff all the time. Um, it's just like everything matters and you don't know in which direction you don't know what the goal is because you don't know what's going to be good for you. Um, like I can't even pray for stuff specifically because I worry that I'm going to do like that classic story where, what is it? You get a genie and you ask for, I don't know, you know, the one where the genie fucks you over no matter what you ask for. Yeah. I think you probably know what I'm story. I, I don't know the deeds, but. Yeah, you get the gist. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I just ask for good things to happen. I just like try to put my. I just try to align my energy to be consistent with the energy of the universe. Almost like the secret. Yeah, I, that's the second time that's come up in this podcast. Um, I it's not complete bullshit. It's it's just I don't even remember. I watched it with you and. When it came out, right? <laughs> I know. I made you watch it with me. And I was like, this is not real. <laughs> You're like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I felt great then when I watched it. Then maybe it did it, what it was supposed to But it wasn't to do. real. It was missing some very yeah, very important variables. Maybe the premises that it's founded on aren't real, but maybe just by doing what they say you should do, you get the same result. So it doesn't right. even matter. Yeah, in the end. No. Um, I think that it... To bring to fruition a future that you want, it's a prerequisite to have that skill of being able to identify it in the realm of possibility and take the necessary steps required to get there, to bridge the gap between the current moment and that future desired moment. If you let negative thoughts and the judgments of others, if you let those things infiltrate your psyche and control your behavior where you end up making fear-based decisions, you will never accomplish what you want. No. Ever. It's, it's, a, it's living a life in a reactionary state, which is 
basically always going to be fight or flight mode. Right. And it's easy. Oh, it's so you're easy. conserving energy. Yeah. Like, exactly. You're, and uh, it's hard to get away from that. It's hard to put that energy into that and conserve it elsewhere. Yeah. The second you're tired or hungry or mad or anything like that, yeah. you just fall right back into those loops. Right back into it. The same story is playing all over again. Yeah. Can you imagine how much we're evolving as a species? Like, I don't... I think a lot. I'm not sure that we would have ever had these... Like, have this type of imagination years ago, obviously. Like, I mean... You mean because... We know a lot more. How much technology's increased? How much technology's increased. How much... I'm sure our brains are expanding. uh, Able... We're like... I don't know about that. We could look that up. Like, I'm sure that, like, trying to force ourselves to imagine all this is expanding i think it does that's why i do it i like to think because i think it grows your brain right but i don't know if it physically does but the levels of connections are yeah that's that's good yeah that's what i started realizing that when i was interviewing an actual neuroscientist sometimes i i mix up not mix up but i'll use kind of more abstract concepts um but say the word brain instead of mind or consciousness and because I, I think it's because I'm usually talking to my kids. So I just want them to know, like, doing this is good for you is the basic message. But right. I, so I tell them, like, yeah, trying this hard math problem is good because it makes your brain grow, makes more connections. It helps you learn how to solve other problems, even ones that are nothing like this one. Speaking of next things, you been dating? Uh, nope. Not at all? Nope. Is it because of COVID? I would say that it has a strong impact. Yeah. I dated last, oh, what was it? June? Okay. It was It was in June. I went on a few dates with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't, didn't work out. But it was during COVID. And, How does that work? But the restaurants were open at the time because oh, okay. it was some, you know, summer. So there was still some... In COVID, is there a set of, like, standards that people all assume? Or is it just kind of, like, person-to-person's different? It's, it's, like, do you kiss? It's just as awkward as, as I'm uh, sure it's all, interacting with anybody else right now. Uh-huh. You know, it's like it's like you go to work to... You know, we didn't kiss, actually. If you tried, would she, like, call the cops? No, I think I think she would have been into it. Okay. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what I mean. I feel like I'd be a lot of stumbling blocks. And it's blocks. awkward to kind of talk about those things without, you know, because that's the kind of stuff that you just got to just do it. Dive into, yeah. You don't, you don't be like, hey, let's. Uh, you want to kiss, or are you worried about COVID? And you know, I'm sure that would have worked, but I it was just wasn't always kind of paranoid. Um, I did usually ask, <laughs> but I would do it and try to do it in a funny way, uh, where like, I think I've asked before, so. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I, bluntness is usually funny. Like, yeah. you're talking about something completely random, and like, speaking of which, you mind if I kiss you right now? Right. And then you, they usually just laugh. Yeah. That's a good sign. Well, yeah. So I, I, But sometimes they put their hand in your face and push you away. So <laughs> yeah. That's usually a bad sign. Have I had that? Yeah, I've had that happen. Um, what was her name? I don't know. Uh, Oh, Kylie was a cool chick. Yeah. Yeah, we we go way back with her. She was a little freckly redhead in yeah. sixth grade and then mm-hmm. 
reappeared as an adult. Were we adults? Yeah, we were 17. Uh, what other one of our friends ended up dating her? Alex Alex did for yeah, a while. After, yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I kept having to remind him that her and I had some sexual, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How's Alex doing? Have you talked fun. to him lately? I saw him last night at uh, Malay Thai getting oh, pad yeah? Thai. Good yeah. for him. And they were, there's so many people there. It was taking forever to get our food, so mm-hmm. we got we to sit to down there and chat, which was awkward because there was like six other people just standing really quietly waiting for their food, and me and Alex were just fucking bullshitting away. <laughs> I admire the guy. Me he, too. Uh, Always has been a real silver lining type. He's of a guy. good dad, and he's got a great positive attitude on life, and he works his fucking ass off. And he always looks sharp doing it. He does. Yeah. He's always done it, so it'd be, weird if, it'd be weird if he didn't. Yeah. Um, but if I just randomly started dressing nice all the time... I'm starting to envy him. People would talk shit about me. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm sure they talk shit about you in other ways, though. Probably. Same with me. I think everybody gets that, you know? There's that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like to be kind of scruffy looking. Um, it sets a low bar. People will <laughs> let you slide on a little bit more. Right. And then if you end up being kind of a productive, impressive member of society, people are like, oh, well, look at Mr. <laughs> Messy Hair over here. <laughs> right. I think clothes are, are like your first layer of communication. Right now I'm Not wearing... body language? Body language probably could be first, actually. But clothes are uh, more intentional. People's body language, I don't think a lot of people even think about it. Well, people don't think about it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect oh, I, them yeah, subconsciously. Yeah, That's true. Um, but with your clothes, like, you get to pick. It's basically your, your uniform for being a human. Like, I'm wearing a flannel and some just comfortable pants and wool socks and these shoes called Vivo Barefoots, which are, like, hiking, running shoes with minimalist soles. Where am I from? You got this, like... I'm from the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. Northwest hippie vibe. Yeah, you know? and I just like these clothes. These are the clothes I've always worn my whole life, other than the Vivo Barefoots, because and, minimalist shoes weren't a thing. And I'm wearing Under Armour hoodie with jeans and the rubber boot shoes from yeah. Grundens. Yeah. Where, where am I from? Pacific and, Northwest. And a hat, you know? Pacific Northwest. Simple. Yeah. This is our, this is our uniform. A little different, but still related to the... Same collection. Yeah. Regular clothes. Casual. Right. Casual. Keeping it cash. Well, dating is awkward right now. It is awkward. Um, but it, it was before COVID, too. What, uh, what would a, a lucky lady have to do to land a date with Colton Chalker? Um, talk to me, for one. <laughs> so you like a girl who's more aggressive? Uh, yeah. Like, like, do you like to be pursued? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? That's true. Yeah. I like to be the pursuer, but I like to kind of know that that's even a vile, like a, you like, a route you need that feedback. I can take. I need, I need to actually see the path. Otherwise, I don't want to focus on it because I got other things I like to focus on. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess. So you want someone easy. Weird. Well, e- simple. I don't mean easy like promiscuous. I yeah, mean easy, easy. easy like uh, low maintenance. 
Yeah, totally. Someone easygoing. Yeah, I'm very easygoing. Yeah. It makes a huge difference to have a person who's down to earth and your speed. Right. Just on any different level. And I didn't ever used to think about that when I was like date in the dating world. I really only ever thought about who is like the right personality type in combination with the right physical appearance. Yes. Um, I did not actually ever think about the way she lived um, until I met Melissa. And like, I, and I, cause I'd never been with anybody who meshed with me so well before. Right. Up to that point, I had always just kind of made it work by however possible, but it was always uncomfortable to try to mold your life to somebody else's when they just, you know, they don't really fit. Yeah, I totally understand. Do you think, do you think that there's perfect matches out there? Sure. Yeah. Do you, um, do you believe in a soulmate? If you define it in a way that like actually that makes sense, only one I do not believe that, yeah. uh, and it probably exists on a spectrum. That doesn't doesn't like mean that it's easy. Oh no, no, definitely not. Like I think a lot of people assume that it would be something that's easy, and just so, like I think the maybe the uh, I don't know that maybe there's some simple aspects to it that make it seem easy, but. I think there's a lot of complexity with relationships and like yeah i could i mean i've read a lot of philosophy on it so i don't have a whole lot of experience with it um it's not that but, easy to have relationships with your own personalities inside your own head right like they're always at, at each other's throats battling. <laughs> yeah like the hungry jeff is yelling at tired jeff who's you know just wants a nap and right and everyone's busting his balls yeah. but you know what i mean like there's there's more than more than one person in there, and it's hard to make that relationship easy. So, trying to get all those people to get along with all the crazy people in your spouse's head is quite an ordeal. Do you think that it's worth it? Uh, do you think technology is adding a whole like layer of complexity over it? Like the fact that you're in your head a lot more. Probably, I think people are probably in their heads a lot more. Well, I don't know what that means necessarily, but. I do yeah. think so, and I, I'm. You'll have to excuse me. I uh, just got a text message from my wife, and I was reading it while you were talking, so I don't know what you said. What did you ask? I, uh, I. Well, I was thinking that uh, trying to develop intimate relationships nowadays, or you know, just evolve a relationship or have one, would be more difficult and challenging with all the technology that is competing for your attention. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> yes, I would say it does. I sometimes find the irony technology here is, is, is good. Yeah, a little distracting. Yeah. Um, I think there, as far as for relationships, I think there are some good parts about it and some bad parts. I think that the good parts is obviously the potential for new ways to connect. Right. I, I wouldn't. Jokes. I wouldn't think that it's a, you know, a detrimental. Not overall. I think it's a net positive. Yeah. But um, I think. A lot of people probably struggle with comparison. Like, you see all these versions of other people's lives that look so glamorous and happy. Right. And all their relationships are so good and it's always sunny. And um, Even if you're aware that that's not real life, even because you do the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. Everybody knows this. It doesn't change the fact that it affects the way you see yourself and your own life and the proportion of your life that's 
good versus bad. If you use other people's Instagram feed as your measuring stick for what is supposed to feel like a good life, you're getting screwed. Right. Your life should be 50-50 suffering and peace. I think subconsciously that's part of the reason why I ignore Instagram. Uh-huh. I have an Instagram account. I keep getting notifications that I have new followers. I don't even know what the hell's on my Instagram. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not I even sure if I have not. a picture on there. I just started I a new Instagram for this page, um, but I, I don't have a whole lot of things posted on it. Check it out if you're listening. Yep. Ramble by roofer. the river. No, Ramble by the river. I think I said just said yes. roofer. It's okay. I was thinking of the rain I on got the roof. You. <laughs> um, we can add a little subtitle to that. Yeah. Rain on the roof. But my family does a grateful text nice. chain every day. We all say three things we're grateful for. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, right. What could I be thankful for today? I'm thankful for this crab shed. What are you thankful for, Colton? Well, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to uh, have some creative friends like you. Oh, shucks. You know. Sit here and, and discuss things and talk. This is actually pretty fun for me. I enjoy it. It is fun. It, it, I mean, I feel like I'm obviously terrible at it, but it's new Time and it's tell. cool. You know? I, I don't know, man. We're uh, just learning how to do something, so it would make sense if we were bad at it. Yeah. I'm not going to let podcasting. Which makes it more exciting. Yeah. I'm not going to let podcasting turn into basketball. Right. Where I'm bad at this, so I can't practice. No, don't do that. And then I just spend all my teen years wishing I would have learned how to fucking dribble. Well, you have you have good skills with with speaking, so I think you're in a good... You're you're going the right way. I'm, you know? I'm going to try. Overall, the experience so far has been very positive. I've always uh, enjoyed conversation, you know? Yeah, me too. Um, and I'm trying to get better at not just... Res- Responding to respond, just you know, listening more. Yeah, let your you know mind I mean? let your mind wander a little bit and come up with questions. Right. It doesn't happen super easily, especially the in the podcast. You mean in the podcast? Yeah, yeah. like in this uh, um, environment, environment, in this context, you're more engaged. You're yeah. like you're more locked in on a conversation than you, you have the really. ability to expand on stuff. You don't have to, like, when you're talking to somebody at the grocery store, you're very aware of the clock. You know that you have only this much time because nobody wants to sit in an an aisle and listen to your philosophy on, you know, civil rights. Right. You don't get to express what you believe in passing. Right. So when you're on a podcast. Nor do people really want to listen to it at that time. Well, that's why you you don't get to express it. And really, you're at the grocery store too, so you don't want to be sitting there talking about stuff. Yeah. That's not grocery related. Right. Um, But that doesn't mean those things aren't important to you. I I would find myself listening to podcasts and wishing that I was in the room because I have things to add to this conversation. And I find that super frustrating. Very much. Uh, Especially when you listen to podcasts like this where the people aren't necessarily experts in anything. When they talk about things that I have personal experience with, it used to just drive me crazy. Like if they start talking about mushrooms or... uh, you know, weed control, right. <laughs> plants in general. Got something to add here. Pacific what? Northwest stuff, yeah. fishing. Uh, not that I know anything about fishing. Fishing. Sawyer just heard that and rolled his eyes. Sawyer, I wasn't talking about fishing. I meant the fishing industry. As somebody who grew up in this community, not as a fisherman myself. Anyway, what were you saying? 
Um, well, you know, we were chatting and talking about the the kind of cool stuff about podcasting, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's what it was. Get in the flow of things, and you're allowed to just go. Right. That takes some practice, huh? Oh, yeah. It, you're so used to trying to tighten it up, shorten it up, but you have to kind of let go of that. I struggle with it because I've always kind of struggled with uh, articulating my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know. But it's kind of fun to try. Yeah. You know. I didn't realize that I think in a very jumbled way until I started trying to podcast. I, I was overconfident about how easy it would be for me to articulate, just like you say, to get the flow. I thought it would be no problem. I'm thinking all the time, so I'm just like, oh, it will be easy. I didn't realize that I actually think in like jumbly, feeling rich clouds of, <laughs> yeah. of, of ideas, it's not foggy. in like nice little clean linear lines. It's it's very different. So the first couple times I turned the recorder on, I didn't know, I didn't know how to begin. I didn't know how to, you know what I mean? It's just oh, like, yeah. it's really hard to get that flow going. I kind of feel like that's what we're doing is we're learning how to articulate, and I think that's important. It's really important. Yeah, it's going to be an important aspect of that's the society goal of what this is in general is learning how to articulate what's in my head so that I can communicate it to you and then you can do the same back to me and somewhere in the middle we figure out how to move forward. Right. That's what I think podcasts do is they're they're allowing people to become reacquainted with nuance. Yeah, they're becoming a valuable valuable resource. Yeah. Long-form communication is really helpful for giving people more grace. Just if you listen to somebody talk for three hours and then they say something that could be controversial, you're so much more likely to be generous in your um, reception of that. You know what I mean? Right. It's hard to be mad at somebody who you're connected with and who you relate to. It's harder. It also makes you a more accurate judge of character. Yeah, you, I, I get it. You're more connected to the speaker. Yeah. You identify with them stronger. It probably benefits everyone, though, to a degree. I think so, because eventually the best ideas are going to be the ones that rise to the top. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the uh, the alignment. The competition, the free market of ideas, and the cogency of your arguments matter the most. That's what I'm I'm thinking of, like, in terms of debating, like, society and politics and ways forward. Yeah. You know, not not that, and that's what I was thinking earlier about postmodern thought. The postmodernists thought that language is used as power, and it's used to kind of maintain a dominant space in society— Therefore, it's dangerous. And so when you get that view stuck in your head about the world and politics, then you start silencing people that you think are wrong. And then all these people kind of come together with this passion to control the narratives so that way the society doesn't fall off its tracks or, you know. And this, this is all like from people's view of what should be right. And that's that's the problem. Like, it's who? open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation. We have to have the open discussions. Therefore, we have to n- listen to people that have absolutely 
abhorrent. You're, you know. Because you got to let them compete with the good ideas. You got to, and, and not only that, it's like the good ideas become more prominent. Like you're. Mm-hmm. Because you have the contrast. You have that contrast, yeah. So that's kind of the whole woke movement thing. That's what I see is trying to, people trying to dominate a narrative and trying to, and that I think that's in a way like dangerous. And I I understand like the issues and I think they're right on a bunch of things like when it comes to race. And obviously I think they're right. Like totally agree. It's cool to see but something the method happen, is some progress. Kinda... I mean, we really don't need all this extra moralizing because morals are not a great measure of uh, they're not a great guide for how to, you know, run a society with millions and millions of people, especially cuz people have different values and morals. Well, that's exactly why. They they change all the time. They're constantly adapting. And they are different depending on who you are, where you are, what time you're from. They're always different. So to try to build a society on that is very flimsy. Right. Uh, it's, that's not to say at all that they're not important. But they are important for you to figure out yours. They're important for you to teach your kids. It, they are important for you. They're, they're not important for you to tell your neighbor how to be. Right. That's their job. Uh I read the Coddling of the American Mind, and mm-hmm. Jonathan Haidt talks about it, and he's done a lot of research on it. Uh, that was a pretty good book, and it looks pretty good. Yeah. What's What's the gist of it? Um, why good intentions and bad ideas are uh, setting up a generation for failure. So basically, uh, just like the whole, I mean, it goes it goes into depth about a whole different all kinds of different things. Like, you know, we were talking about how uh, people are becoming more okay to, like, stay at home. and oh, not after, ex- after yeah, school. After school. Or, like, how people, like, the anti-bullying movement, you know? Like, how... What about the anti-bullying just, movement? Just, like, there's a line that's that's got to be drawn to a point. Like, you can't just teach people to live in a world and or teach people that to look for injustice and and like to look for opportunities to claim I'm a victim. Yes, exactly. And then they you're you're setting up these people to not be able to thrive in a world that's not Yeah. Like you said earlier, you said something a while ago that it's easier to make to learn how to li- live in the world and make a world nicer or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but I know I can't remember mean. what you said, but yeah. Yeah, it's that's definitely going to be a problem. Well, I mean, it, it has been. That's what yeah. the yeah, that's what that book. It's pretty good. I let you have it. Okay. If you ever feel like reading it, I'm I know reading. reading's kind of a hard. Yeah, I haven't Everything actually sat down competing. and read a book with my eyeballs um, for probably over a year. I've listened to a lot of books in that time, but it's not quite the same. Nah. Can I try them on? Sure. I'm curious. Yep. Nope. Gives me a blurry feeling. Yeah. I used to be able to see really well. Um, and then I fell down in the woods into some bushes with 20 pounds of mushrooms on my back. Ooh. Yeah, it sucked. Hmm. New topic. Got any final thoughts? No. Nope. Well, I'm feeling like we're pretty tired. 
you want to call it? Yeah, I'm hungry. All right. I well, need to eat. All right. Thanks for coming, Colton. Thank I you. Uh, look forward to having you on next time. Thanks for coming, everybody. Bye. Still fly.